The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
You ever had those times in your life where it seemed like the harder you work, worse things get? I've been in that funk for about 60 days. And earlier this week, knowing that I had communion, opened up my heart a little bit. And this is not my story. This is, I'll be honest with you, I stole it. But the message is necessary. And I kind of revamped it a little bit, but uh, I want to share this with you this morning to let you understand that God did it. And sometimes we forget that God did it. And this story starts with a individual that grew up in an old Baptist church. And a preacher one time came into the, to the church and he told this story about a woman. I don't know if the story is true, again, but the story has a meaning. And, and, and it encouraged me this week to hear this, and I, I've probably listened to this guy tell this story three or four times. But anyway, this, this woman, she was a widow. She had nothing. She had no food. And every day she would get down on her knees and she would pray, God, fill my pantry. God, fill my pantry. And one day there was a knock at her door. And when she opened up the door, right there on the doorsteps was all the food that she had been looking for. She said, oh my goodness, God did it. God did it. Then out of the bushes comes this, this guy jumps out of the bushes and he said to her, ha ha, I'm your next door neighbor and I'm an atheist. And I heard you praying yesterday for God to fill your pantry. So I went to the grocery store. I bought all the groceries. And I put them on your doorstep and hid in the bushes to watch you praise a God that doesn't exist. She said, God did it. God did it. God did it. He said, no, 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 no. You're not listening. You're praising the wrong God. I heard you praying the prayer from your window. I don't believe in God. There is no God, he said. And I went to the grocery store and I bought the groceries with my own money, my own credit card. I did this. This lady doesn't know a whole lot of things in her life, but she said, God did it. God did it. God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. <laughs> Guys. Just so you know, even when you're down, God did it. God sent His Son. He's already, this battle's already over. We just got to stick it out because God did it. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we, we're grateful and we're thankful for You. And we know that You did it. And Father, we just know that in our hearts and our minds, even when things are tough, that You did it. 
You sent your son. He died on a cross for not only my sins, but the sins of everyone. God, you did it. And we thank you. And we praise you and we give you glory for it. I had a choir student back in the day who would always tell me, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, I don't follow the sports. That's what she would call it, the sports. She would put a the in front of sports and just kind of lump them all together. I don't know why. So maybe you don't follow the sports, right? But you are going to watch the big game. If you didn't know there's a big game, well, there's a big game, right? But maybe you're just watching it for the commercials. Maybe you're in it for the snacks. If you're going to the amp party, my goodness, that is going to be off the hook. Maybe, though, you've prayed for your team if you have a team, right? If you're a diehard fan. And some of us have been praying for a very long, 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 long time. Why do we pray? Well, in the wise words of MC Hammer, we got to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. <laughs> I'm not doing the dance. But, <laughs> but have you ever prayed? If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it after this. Have you ever prayed, if you get me out of this one, I promise. Quid pro quo, tit for tat. You do this for me, and I promise I won't forget it. Maybe you've prayed, Lord, get me this house. Lord, get me this job. Lord, get me this life. Maybe you've prayed that. Maybe you've put this disclaimer, this qualifier at the end of it, and I will make up for everything I've ever done. Does ask anything really mean anything. Welcome online, tuning in online, those of you here in the building. It's a pleasure to share with you this weekend as we continue our sermon series. He said, what? It's the shocking statements of Jesus. And I thought quite a bit about this next uh, quote. When you draw close to God, no relationship will remain the same. As you draw close to our Heavenly Father, you understand more about who He is, a deeper understanding of His love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, which in turn enables you to share that with everybody you come in contact with, your relationships. So today we're going to be in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, if you will turn there in your Bibles. And the sermon today is, Ask for Anything. That's the shocking statement. This is part of the farewell discourse. This is the the last time Jesus is going to be with his disciples in their entirety together. And so he's talking to his band of brothers. He knows he's leaving. In fact, they know he's leaving and they're very upset. What do you say to somebody if you're running out of time? He's comforting and he's also equipping and encouraging them for the road that lies ahead. 
So if you're there and you're ready, John 14, 12 through 14, I'm going to go ahead and read that for us this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we don't view Scripture in isolation, right? We don't just pick and choose which verses we like and then make them say what we want them to say. I've heard of the damage done before with that aspect of doing things, right? You didn't pray hard enough or you didn't have faith and they're kind of taking these things out of context. Now, exegesis is what we do here. Exa meaning to draw out, to read scripture and read the context, read the narrative, understand the author of the book, where's all of this coming from, and then that helps inform our thoughts concerning that. Holy Spirit is in there every step of the way. Now, eisegesis is the opposite of that. E-I-S-E. That means to draw in to infer, to make it say something that you want it to say, to imply something that just isn't there. So, for example, greater works than these. Some people have commented on that statement. Greater works than these. That can be misconstrued. Some people say sky's the limit in, 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 when dealing with that, right? Sky's the limit, and, and which means that we're going to be able to do all that Jesus did and so much more. And our greater works depend on a glorified Jesus answering our prayers. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. He's, he's the reason why we're able to come before the Father, right? It's not about this competition. It's not about what we can do in our own power. And so Jesus is not instituting a miracle working contest here. It's not a competition with Jesus as we read Scripture. And there are theories. There are some people that say greater as in more, as in more spectacular, as, as in razzle-dazzle. I don't know about you, but raising somebody from the dead is pretty spectacular. In fact, raising yourself from the dead is doubly spectacular. I don't see somebody topping that, right? So they think more spectacular miracles. They think this is what the greater means. And most commentaries would say no. They would more likely settle on this idea, greater as in geographical area. It extends the mission beyond the limitations of Jesus' earthly ministry. Because Jesus was fully human and fully divine. But being fully human, he was in this human body and he could only travel so far, right? He couldn't get everywhere. And so Jesus says, because I am going to the Father... It's your turn, but you're not going to do this alone because the Holy Spirit will be with you every step of the way. I love this ad that I found, uh, this little addition in a commentary. And this commentary made the idea that greater works mean more than miracles, right? 
Everybody focuses on the miracles. Like I said, that's the, the big, right? The big razzle-dazzle, the, the, the thing that everybody holds on to. We're going to do greater miracles, but that's not all Jesus did during his earthly ministry. There was also acts of love, acts of service, acts of humility. And Jesus says, greater works are you going to do. You're going to walk in love. You're going to walk in humility. You're going to do acts of service because when you make yourself least, that's when you become great. This is what the Lord is telling us. Now, there may be miracles along the way, and I can think of no greater miracle than having somebody's life turned completely upside down for the better because of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we are a small part of that, inviting somebody to church, speaking life into somebody, a a hug, a a well-placed text, any of those things, and you're part of the greater things in Christ. We're all part of the greater things in Christ. Now, some people may disqualify themselves from that. Franklin, you don't know the dumpster fire of my life before now, right? And I'll tell you that God is no respecter of persons. And when you come to Jesus and when Jesus covers your sins and he completely changes your life, then you're able to walk into the throne room you're able to boldly come with confidence before the Lord. Which means we are all, as the body of Christ, part of the greater things in Christ. And it's time for us to get in the game. But we can't spend our entire time here on that just one verse. So we're going to go back and we're going to read verses 13 through 14 together. This is Jesus speaking here. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. A repetition is a key tool in Scripture, right? When you see repetition in Scripture, things happening a couple of different times, a few different times, that means that emphasis is added. That means you should probably pay attention. And Jesus is putting a fine point on that. Has anybody heard the story of the ham? I know that's kind of abrupt, but stay with me, right? So the story of the ham goes this way. A little boy goes uh, goes into the kitchen and his mom is making a ham, gets the ham out, chops both ends off, puts it in the pan, right? The, 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 The kiddo, right? The little boy's like, mom, why did you just do that? And she said, well, I think it soaks up the juices. Not 100% sure. I mean, that's how my mom cooked. And so that's what I do. Why don't you call your grandma? So... Little boy gets his cell phone out, right? He's got one. Don't know why, but he has one. And so he calls his grandma. He says, Grandma, my mom just cut off the ends of the ham and she threw it in the pan. She said she learned how to cook from you. Why did you do it? Grandma says, I'm not really sure. My mom taught me how to cook. That's how I've always done it. Why don't you call your great-grandma? Wonderful. Get to make another phone call. So uh, little boy gives his great-grandma a call. They have an awesome, incredible, and very lengthy conversation about nothing and everything. And finally, the boy remembers to ask the question. He says, great-grandma, my mom took a ham out, cut the ends off, put it in the pan. Why does she do that? Great-grandma says, well, I don't know why she does it, but my pan wasn't big enough to put the whole ham in. Why do you do 
what you do. Why do I do what I do? Why, are, why do we do some of the things that we do on a daily, a daily basis? Now, chances are, if you're like me, you say in Jesus' name at the end of every prayer. Raise your hand if you do that, right? Most of you. In Jesus' name. Ever wonder where you get that from? Ever wonder why you did it? Be willing to bet it has something to do with this verse. Because it says, whatever you ask in my name. And this is Jesus talking. In Jesus' name. Now, in, in Jesus' name doesn't magically fix hasty prayers. Like, just off the cuff, right? With no meaning whatsoever. It doesn't authenticate selfish ones that are only about you. No. Praying in Jesus' name is something different entirely. Praying in Jesus' name is in his name as his representative, and about his business. So um, I was talking to my buddy Quentin. Uh, my buddy Quentin's ninth judicial uh, district attorney. He's very smart, and he's honest. I love that about Quentin, which means that if I was totally off base, he would say, bro, you're totally off base. You should probably drop this idea, right? And so I had this idea for me, and I need a couple of volunteers who I voluntold previously to come up to me at the stage. So, Ryan, will you and Caleb come up here now, please? They're freaking out a little bit. They're like, what am I doing? Well, Caleb doesn't really care. Go ahead and come up. I was, just, I was going to try to get somebody shorter, but it's really hard to get somebody shorter, actually. <laughs> I like to tell everybody I'm fun-sized. Anyway. So Caleb right here is every man, okay? Caleb is in our position, every person. Keep in mind, this is Caleb, every man, okay? Ryan is an attorney, right? Ryan's not actually an attorney. If you need an attorney, don't go to Ryan. You can go to Quentin. But Ryan's very smart, okay? So Ryan is the attorney here. So we've got Ryan on this side. We've got Caleb here is every man. Now, Caleb needs an attorney. This is just an example. You don't actually need an attorney, okay? So Caleb comes over to Ryan, walks into Ryan's office and says, Ryan, I need you to represent me in a court of law. These are the things I need you to do. I want you to do exactly what I want you to do. I want you to say exactly what I want you to say, and you are not allowed to do anything contrary to what I want. Is this understood? Now, Ryan thinks, you know, Caleb could have said that a little nicer. I mean little abrasive, right? But he's actually not wrong. As an attorney, you're kind of bound to that, right? As an attorney, you're really representing your client. And whatever the client wants you to say, that's what you say. Whatever the client wants you to do, that's what you do. But Ryan's been in this for a while. And so Ryan's got some experience under his belt. And so Ryan could and should advise his client when his client is doing something way off base. Or getting ready to say something way off base. So Ryan says, all of that sounds great, Caleb. But I am going to advise you in the way that I think you should do. In the way that I think you should conduct yourself. In the things that I think you should say. I'm going to advise you to do that. And Caleb says, that's great, Ryan. But it's my call, right? Doesn't matter. If you've got great advice, I don't have to take it. So I think when we pray... We keep ourselves in this position. We say, you know, Jesus, I'm going to ask for things in your name, 
And I want you to do what I want you to do. And I want you to say what I want you to say. And I don't want you to act contrary to my nature. Like I make the decisions. You say, Jesus, you can advise me all you want. But at the end of the day, it's my call. But being in Jesus and praying in his name takes us out of that position and puts us here. We're the attorney, which means Jesus is over here and he's saying what he wants us to say and he's doing what he wants us to do. And as the hands and feet of Christ, that's how we conduct our lives day in and day out. He doesn't want us acting contrary to his nature. Now we can advise him. Now we can say, this is what I'd like to happen. This is what I'd like to come to pass. These are the things that I'm hoping and praying for and lifting up. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jesus makes the final call. Thanks, guys. That's it. Give him a, give him a big round of applause. I thought about asking you to sing a little song at the end of it, but time would not permit that to happen, so it's okay. Jesus says, when you pray, pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? We, we acknowledge his holiness. We acknowledge who he is. We, we bring him praise and adoration. And then the next thing, the very next thing, says, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we are seeking his will, our requests will be in line with what he wants. This is what it looks like to pray in Jesus' name. If we are seeking his will, our requests will be in line with what he wants. Now, in order to know his will, we're going to have to get into the Bible, aren't we? Because we won't know anything about him if we don't pick this up and read it. So some of you are saying, great, I'll read the Bible. Are there any thoughts that you have on seeking his will? And I would say, thank you for asking that question. That's my next point. So here's the next thing. Here's a question Am I praying for God to be glorified or for myself to be glorified? Am I just praying selfish prayers? Am I just lifting things up in order to advance myself with little to no regard to how God is perceived in the lives around me? The next one, is it an if-then statement? putting the Lord in a place of obligation, right? If you do this for me, Lord, then I promise I'm going to do this for you. God is not about that, right? It's not about putting him in a place of obligation. If we are seeking his will, we are praying authentically. We're speaking our heart, and then we're saying, thy will be done because he is God and I am not. I would make a terrible God, by the way. Chances are, You would too. Next thing, am I trying to score points with God? 
God does not keep score. Like I said earlier, God is no respecter of persons, right? If you have a past, and trust me, every person has a past. I've got a past. We've all got baggage, right? But if you spend the rest of your life trying to make up for that baggage, then you miss the joy that comes from abiding in the Lord. Because the Lord forgets your sins. He doesn't keep score. Jesus wipes them away. Which is why we're able to boldly come with confidence before the throne. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind as we pray. God will never instruct you to sin. He's never going to tell you to have an affair. He's not going to act contrary to his nature. If you're paying attention and reading in the word of God, then you know what is contrary to his nature. Don't pray prayers like that. He's not going to answer them in the way that you want them to be answered. Besides, prayers like that only lead to ruin and destruction. Rubble. Now the good news of that is Jesus can restore the rubble. Jesus can restore our broken hearts, our bad decisions. We come before him in reverence. In 1 John 5.14, John actually expands a little bit on this idea. And he says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, right? And so to ask in Jesus' name means to ask for the things that reflect Jesus' desire and his purpose. But what happens when the world falls apart? What happens when you pray according to his will and you don't get the answer you so desperately want? Really, that points to a bigger question that I would rather not answer, much less ask. Is God still good when bad things happen? Now, I myself have to believe that God is still good, no matter what happens next. I have to hold on to the idea that there is hope, that there is eternal life, that My life here matters in the scope of eternity. That the things I do here have kingdom implications. And I'm praying that that is your heart as well. God is still good. Even when bad things happen. Psalm 18.6 is a verse my uh, beautiful wife read earlier. And it says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. 
Well, there's a family in Colorado that I've never met, but I feel like I know very well. Um, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law attend um, this family's church. The guy's actually the pastor there. Um, my brother-in-law is the worship leader there. Um, my, my sister-in-law is on staff there. Um, they are a praying church. If you come from the charismatic faith, you probably heard this term before, storming the gates of heaven, right, with your prayers. And they were doing that when their son got sick. They prayed. They started a carrying bridge. I started following that carrying bridge. And I started praying every day too. In fact, I, I still have Ezra's name in my phone. And I remember to pray for his family when it comes up on my Bible app. Praying incessantly for their son to be healed of his leukemia. And when he had a fever that should have killed him, we prayed that he would be healed, and he was. And then the pain was almost too much to bear. And he was supposed to go to college in the fall. So an ebb and flow began. We would pray he would get better. He would get worse. We would pray he would get better. And on September 29th, he passed away. Just like that. I started reading a book this week by Philip Yancey. And he had this quote. On this cursed planet, even God suffered the loss of a son. Can I tell you that God is intimately aware of your pain. God is intimately aware of your despair. God is intimately aware of your depression, your anxiety. Your hopes, your fears. He cares for you. Bad things didn't happen because you didn't pray hard enough. Let me say that again. Bad things didn't happen because you didn't pray hard enough. Bad things didn't happen because you didn't have enough faith. If somebody told you that, I'm sorry they did. It's not true. Bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. We're so thankful that we have a Savior. Keep praying. The Lord hears our prayers. In John ten twenty seven. this is again Jesus speaking. And He says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I love that verse. It's, it's a beloved verse for many of you, for, for me included. But the shepherd knows our voice too. We lift up our prayers. Oh, that's Jalen. Oh, that's Lewis. Oh, that's Connor praying again. Ah, oh, that's Jared. He knows our voice. Does that blow your mind? The God of the universe spinning galaxies. And when you lift up your prayer, he goes, Oh, man, that Tanner guy. 
Man, I'm fond of that dude. Psalm 34, 15 speaks to the shepherd knowing our voice and hearing our cries. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. But here's the thing. We don't really want to admit that we don't have it all together, right? Like, We'd rather not say that. We'd rather just kind of reserve the Lord for the heavy lifting because we can pretty much handle the day-to-day. And that's what I thought too. There's not really a reason or a rhyme to panic if you struggle with that. It's dumb. I hate, hate it. But I hope that you hear this. It takes strength to admit weakness. It takes strength to admit that you're slipping. It takes strength to admit that you're having a bit of a rough time. It, it takes strength to admit that you have a problem. It takes strength to admit that you can't do this on your own. You see, we live in a culture that's so determined to eliminate weakness from our awareness. Right? Don't cry. Never let them see you sweat. Better, faster, stronger, vitamins. Let's stop the aging process altogether. The world sees weakness as a flaw. But in the kingdom of God, weakness is you're just getting started. Weakness is you're right with the Lord wants you. Because when you are weak, then He is made strong. Then He is able to be glorified in your situation. Then He is able to work in ways that you couldn't do on your own. And and some of the things that you struggle with, some of the things that should stop you dead in your tracks, don't. And not because of you. Because of the Lord in you. Prayer is admitting weakness. Prayer is saying, I can't do this on my own. I read a book about a year ago uh, by Levi Lusco. It's called Through the Eyes of a Lion. Uh, Don't read that book unless you have a box of Kleenex right next to you. Oh my goodness. But I love this quote from there. God isn't scared of what you're scared of. He's God. (laughs) He's not terrified of your current situation. You're not going to scare him off with anything that you've done, anything that you're thinking. (laughs) He's God. He's not scared, but he's with you. With you every step of the way. So God sees that new opportunity on the horizon. Lift up your prayer. God sees that you're trying to change. Lift up your prayer. God, God sees that you're not sure what happens next. Lift up your prayer. God sees that you're entering an impossible situation. Lift up your prayer. God sees that you want to level up, not only in your time with the Lord, but in your marriage and every other relationship that you come in contact with. Lift up your prayer. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'll be homeward bound again. I really can't say these words without thinking of uh, a certain song. It was a song in the folk song book that I would uh, give some of my students for solo and ensemble. Um, it was a pretty easy song to sing, but it was beautiful. Um, and they got some confidence for the next time that they sang, right? And, and so I would play this a ton. Through the 15 years it, that I did solo and ensemble with my students, gosh, hundreds, if not thousand maybe times that I played this song. I know it inside now. Now, it's in an easier book, and it's very easy to play, right? There's an Italian aria book that is not easy to play, right? I struggled with those. And so one day we were at Solon Ensemble, and um, we were the last people in, and so the judge uh, kind of spoke to uh, my student, a young lady, and just told her, you sing beautifully. I love the way that, that you sing with emotion, your pitch, and then she, she went ahead and talked about a couple of things that she would do to get better, right? Good judge. And then she looked over at me and she said, I love the way you accompany. You are so expressive the way you play, and it helps your student to sing well. I love that. And there's another song in that book, Danny Boy, right? Oh, Danny Boy, the, the pipes, the pipes are calling. You've heard it, right? Same book, easy. I can play that with no mistakes, too. I can play that expressive. But if I play Danny Boy while my student is singing Homeward Bound, it doesn't matter how good I play. It doesn't matter if I don't make any mistakes. It doesn't matter how expressive because I'm not playing the same song. So my question today is, what song are you playing? Are you playing the song of good is good enough and I don't really need Jesus, I don't have time for him? Are you playing the song of, as before, you know I'm a dumpster fire and I have nothing to offer you? That's not the song of Jesus. The song of Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He... He makes you worthy. Maybe, maybe your song is making my own way instead of taking the Lord's path. Maybe, maybe, maybe your song is, I'm going to take this path right here and I want you to bless what I'm doing even though I didn't consult you on the front end. But maybe, just maybe, you came in today and you're not 100% sure that you're playing the right song. Maybe you're saying, I just don't want to get this wrong. I don't want to make a mistake. I'm not really sure what to do next. If those are the questions that you have, then I'll tell you this right now. It's the same song. The Lord wants to hear from you. The Lord wants you to work in His will. Be His representative. Live in His joy. As the team comes up and we finish up, the Greek word tis is uh, G5100 in Strong's Greek Concordance. It's a concordance of all the Greek words in the uh, New Testament. Uh, tis is an indefinite pronoun. And, and tis actually is, uh, 
is used. Let me read this so I don't get it wrong. Of persons and things concerning which the writer either cannot or will not speak more particularly. Now, some people, like the atheists that Wes talked about, will take the word anything and say, well, the Lord didn't answer that prayer that you prayed, and he said he would give you anything, therefore the Lord doesn't answer prayer. But anything, to me, is more about a list or lack thereof. You see, there's a ton of things that you can and should come before the Lord with. There are a ton of things. There are big prayers that you should be praying for, that you should be lifting up in order for God to reveal himself in a powerful way. You've heard me say it a few times today. We worship you for who you are, for all you have done. And we start the process with people of the word because scripture informs us of who God is in our lives. And then we turn to worship because worship is our response. The Lord initiates and we respond when our hearts are turned to him. And then prayer is elevating above all our Lord and Savior. It takes strength to admit weakness. Come before the Lord this morning. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.